The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. My next guest has spent many years making television documentaries while following various leads within the criminal underworld. And now, uh, alongside co-author Carl Howman, he has written an extraordinary account of one of Britain's most notorious lawbreakers, uh, Kenneth or, or Kenny Noy. Donald McIntyre, good morning and welcome. Uh, good morning. Thanks, Pat. Thanks for having me. Now, your book is called A Million Ways to Stay on the Run, and it, it is almost like an adventure story, except we're dealing with a man who actually stabbed two people to death. Yeah, I think um, uh, it's an extraordinary time. The shows have policing and maybe te- the technology has changed. He went on the run in 1996, having uh, been engaged in a road rage, a really pathetically you know, petty road rage incident and a knife was brought to that and he stabbed uh, a young man to death and it took his life. And uh, in most instances, it's like a, a, a manslaughter. But previously, he had um, been involved in the Brinks Matt uh, robberies and had fenced the gold. And uh, I think the BBC big drama uh, started last night on gold. And he was the principal character in that, in fencing the gold, and was convicted and got 14 years for that. But in many ways, uh, during the course of, of that investigation, they placed an undercover police officer who was dressed up in a full military uh, kind of ninja gear, entered his property and then um, was caught on the property and, and kind of um, confronted Noy and uh, uh, Kenny Noy got off on self-defense, which as a journalist, when I was reflecting upon this and I was, I, I was thinking of working undercover in a crack house in Wembley back in the day and, and I, I was doing my own investigative stuff. And I remember thinking, you know, this guy must clearly be guilty of it. He's getting, and I was thinking about, Kenneth Noy and, and any criminal in a very one-dimensional fashion. And then, um, and then, then I realised he was acquitted. Recently, I've looked at all the court transcripts of that, and that apart from, I mean, the, the, the public would have convicted him of murder. Everybody else would have presumed it was murder. Uh, but when you look at the court transcripts, you would agree with the jury that he was, it was a fair acquittal. But, but, so that's the enigma of this character. So he goes on the run, uh, for two years, two and a half years, and um, uh, MI5, Interpol, everybody has chased him down, and he has gone on the run, everybody's after him, and what he has done is gone off uh, off the radar, and he goes to Africa, he goes, he goes uh, across South America, he takes a lover, he, he gets passports sent to him, and in many ways for him, the freedom he had on the run was the greatest freedom he's ever known, because of this, because in the tabloids for the last 30 years, he's been declared a monster, one-dimensional, single entity. That's that's the you are the, the sum of your the, you are the sum of your crimes, which mm. is a tabloid phenomenon. We understand that. But actually, then he came across as strangers, so he was able to live a very different life. Yeah. He eventually was caught, tracked down by the Kent police uh, in a very unusual fashion, served 21 years, and is now released. And has been dubbed public enemy number one. Um, and now he wanted to talk, and uh, uh, because he wanted to say, "Listen, simply this: I'm more than the sum of our mugshot." And so we follow his story and the story of Nick Biddis, the officer who tracked yeah. him down uh, in this uh, in this new in this now, new book. Now it, it is an extraordinary story, and how he made the different uh, moves uh, when he decided 
uh, when the, I suppose the story broke that the guy that he had stabbed, and there's no doubt that he stabbed Stephen Cameron, that Stephen Cameron had died in front of his girlfriend, uh, Daniel Cable. And there lies another tale. Um, he, he dies and then uh, noise decides or Noy decides, look, with my reputation, I'm bunched here. I'll go on the run. But the help he had all along the way, and there's no doubt there was a help from within the force as well as from his underworld uh, friends, um, it, it is quite a, an extraordinary tale. Well, his, his, his number one assistant in, in the first couple of hours after the murder, and initially he didn't think he'd, uh, Stephen Cameron had died. He thought that it was just a, a fight, knife, and you bring a knife to a fight, well, people will die sometimes. So he, he, he calls upon John Palmer, a.k.a. Goldfinger, who was one of the architects of the, gold, uh, of the Brinksmat uh, uh, gold heist, and also the timeshare specialist and fraudster and at that time in 1996 he was worth uh, over 300 million uh, uh, um, pounds and he was worth uh, he was uh, registered higher on the Sunday Times rich list than the Queen so he laid all his resources at Kenneth Noy's table he helicoptered him out of the UK flew, brought him to his, his Normandy mansion kept him up there and then flew him on a private jet which had come in from from Russia and flew him then to Tenerife and there in Tenerife he he had uh, was living in safe houses and and then was flown uh, and had the protection of, of of gangsters and also he knew because he had contacts he was a former freemason and joined the Freemasons uh, to support his business activities. The one thing about Kenny Noy was that he was an incredibly wealthy, wealthy businessman, both legitimately and illegitimately. And when, mm-hmm. um, but he, see, he took advantage of that. And you know, I think there's there's been uh, lots of allegations that he paid off police officers, and there's been plenty of investigations and a sense that you know officers were corrupted. And certainly in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and even now the Metropolitan Police is in uh, disarray with allegations of corruption yeah. and bad behaviour. And, and Nick so, Beadless, uh, the, the, the man uh, who was uh, charged with uh, tracking him down, Nick Beadless uh, was aware of corruption within the ranks, also aware that if they got in touch with Interpol about anything, that it was mm. on the front pages of newspapers before any action might even be taken by Interpol. Uh, uh, absolutely. So Nick Biddis was in a, an incredibly impossible position. So he was, he was fighting a battle from without, trying to track down a super astute and smart businessman who had unlimited resources and criminal. And at the same time, you know, he, he, he had to have... Uh, uh, operate on a need-to-know basis. So we had to restrict information about this case uh, within his own force, within the Metropolitan mm-hmm. Police Force and Interpol, because, when, uh, as you rightfully say, the minute he put something on Interpol, it ended up on the front cover of the Sun or, or, yeah. or the Mirror. So um, it was an extraordinary position for him to be in. But he was very steadfast, and, uh, and it was a really difficult uh, journey for him because he was dealing with the fiance um, of, of Stephen Cameron who, who who died, and she uh, she was hugely traumatized, and she mm. was the family were looking for progress, and of course what Kenneth Noy did was that he would be sending out false flags about that he he was uh, uh, in the UK, he was in various places. At one stage, Nick Pitter said they you know they attended more funeral. Uh, uh, funerals uh, 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 and, and, and weddings 
um, uh, uh, in the, uh, in the hope of, of spotting him yeah. there. Now, right. there are a few odd things about him. A very wealthy man, even on the run, he'd access to loads of funds. Uh, yet when he arrives in, in the, the Ivory Coast and he has no yellow fever vaccine and they say, look, we'll give you one on the spot. It's $20, please. He refuses mm. to pay them. And then mm. he, he, he gives them $100 and he gets a, a, a cert, even though he's never got yeah. the vaccine, and in he goes. But on another occasion, he refuses to pay his Freemasons sub and gets thrown out of the Masons. Yeah, I think what's extraordinary is that if you're in his company, he's incredibly generous to family, friends, and incredibly loyal. But um, I brought in, um, and I do a fair bit of lecture in criminology, and I brought in a colleague of mine, a former colleague of mine, Professor James Treadwell, to do some academic research. And he says, you have to understand is that Kenny Noy is a type of person, if he was working in Wall Street, he'd be the wolf of Wall Street. Everything is a money or business decision. You know, the worst thing that he would have wanted to have done was be to uh, be confronted with violence because it's just bad for business. And so, you know, he's involved in two violent confrontations. And the enigma is throughout 30 years of prison and, and even before those incidences, there was never a risk of violence ever attached to him. But Treadwell says this is a man who is focused on money, on, on the deal, the art of the mm. deal, and actually is very good at it. But um, every decision he makes is a business decision. And that's extraordinary. I think he'd rather pay, pay £100 to illegitimately get through a border than £20 to do a vaccine. But uh, um, that's Kenny Noy. Yeah. Now, uh, I mentioned Danielle Cable, uh, the girlfriend of Stephen Cameron, who was stabbed on the roadside. And, I mean, she went into witness protection because she was the one who could identify him. Another uh, witness ended up being killed in the car park of Sainsbury's. I mean, this is not all, you know, kind of daring do and adventures and no, sure, he, he wasn't no, a bad a lot. Very, yeah, no, I think it's a very complex one. I mean, for for three years, she was uh, two and a half years, three years uh, uh, after the death, she was fine and a death threat came through. So during before the trial, she went into witness protection. He's now but because he's now been released then there's no threat adjudicated towards Danielle. But she's been in witness protection for, for, for nigh on 20 years. Uh, the, uh, the other witness who was killed, uh, the, another, to add another layer to it, he was, a, he, was, he, he was a witness, one of the only other witnesses to the stabbing. And he, um, uh, uh, he was a mercurial witness because when he witnessed the stabbing, uh, now, then tra- his wife then told... Uh, uh, the various appeal courts that he had a, a, um, several kilos of cocaine uh, and uh, got, he had guns. Just before the Kenny Noy trial, he was arrested with 56 guns, cocaine, £126,000 worth of cash. So, so one of the key witnesses against Kenny Noy was an incredibly dangerous criminal. And uh, But the defence during that trial weren't told about that. So uh, there was very nearly a successful appeal because there was a problem with that particular witness. So the layers of complexity about the trial. In any event, it's, it's an extraordinary window into um, the hunt for a man, the dedication of the police. And, and also, um, you know, it, it shows how, how obviously you could he walk through borders. So for the first uh, three or four weeks, um, he, he traveled on private jets, helicopters, 
uh, and never really um, mm. had to show his passport, uh, a legitimate passport. Yeah, it's a, an extraordinary uh, tale and uh, so much detail in it. Obviously, you, having spoken to Ke- Kenny Noy himself, you have a deeper insight than most would be. Uh, the book is now out. It's called A Million Ways to Stay on the Run, published by Mirror Books, and its author, along with uh, Carl Howman, Donald McIntyre. Donald, thank you very much for joining us on the programme. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.